This morning, uh, we are celebrating New Year's Day, and uh, you are here, and I'm just so glad. I'm so grateful that you guys are here. I think God's got really something special for us today. This is not some kind of a throwaway service. I really felt like in my heart that this is a, a like foundational type of message you're here for today. So I'm really glad that you're here today. It's New Year's Day. You know, it's the time of resolutions, all the resolutions that people normally like to do, uh, lose weight, uh, exercise more, um, eat less, uh, get a better job, be, be on time more uh, as the people walking in through the front doors are thinking right now. There's always next week, right? Uh, there's a be more present with my spouse. That's a good one. Romance my spouse. Um, be present with my kids. Be a better parent. All of us have these resolutions that we come up with. Um, and what I want to do today, to do today is, is nudge us in a really healthy direction that God, I believe God himself would actually like us to work towards. And, you know, there's good resolutions and there's like things that don't really matter. This is something today that I think God would really like us to, to be doing in our journey to become more like Jesus, to become better reflections of his children on the earth. And here's the best part. Here's the best part. Nothing that we're going to be talking about today, none of this is actually about heaping more work onto you. Nothing is about more activity into your crowded schedule. Uh, it's, not, it's not adding yet another ritual uh, to the rituals you're already doing, although there's nothing wrong with really good life-giving rituals um, if they're healthy and life-giving. What we're going to look at today, though, is, is not about heaping more on you. We're going to look at a passage from the book of James. And uh, I love James. I love James because he speaks with such a, a voice of a pastor. He really does. If, if you look at the book of James, maybe even more than like Paul or Peter, James has a very unique voice. Uh, and so when he speaks, it's not like with the grand philosophical words of like a seminarian, you know, or some kind of uh, theologian professor type or anything like that. When James talks in his epistle, it is like the words of a really good dad. Uh, he gives wisdom and instruction. It's like a dad giving wisdom and instruction to his kids. He doesn't get very uh, flowery. He's not, he doesn't really sugarcoat things. Sometimes he can even be a little blunt when you're reading James, but he's intensely practical. So he's like this pastorly dad talking to us. James is also a bit like a uh, like a TikTok influencer, right? Anybody, you know, do the little TikTok or Instagram reels or, or if you're, you know, in my generation still doing Facebook reels, you know, the little reels and there's like people on there who are like telling you, here's how to do the thing and it's like 30 or 40 seconds long and here's how to change your life by like cooking bread better or something like that, you know, whatever it is. Um, James does this. He jumps around from subject to subject with these little pithy little sayings, little one-liners, like he's posting on Twitter. And so he's really perfect. These little sound bites of wisdom James gives us. Uh, he gives these, these great little wisdom bombs or, or like warnings. And then he moves on to a totally different subject right after that. So he's really good. He's a good writer to read if you have a little ADHD and you get bored really quickly, like in one conversation, just read James. Because um, he'll, he'll, he'll have you spinning and moving on to the next subject subject before you have time to get bored with the last one. So in the first chapter of James, he is already, when we get to this verse, he's already posted these amazing sound bites um, on 
you know, first century Instagram uh, about finding joy. He's talked about seeking wisdom. He's talked about choosing faith over doubt, being humble. He's talked about persevering through persecution, resisting temptation. And literally, this is all the things he's talked about in the first 18 verses, these very different subjects. Each tweet is like the sermon unto itself. And then he comes to this in verse 19. He says this, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Now, I want us to recognize two things here really quick. James, his fatherly heart is so evident here. He's not giving a speech. He's not like delivering his PhD thesis, you know, to the board. He is talking passionately to the people he cares about. He's talking to his dear brothers and sisters, and that is us. We're family. We're family. We're receiving incredible, like, life advice here from Papa James. He's telling us to lean in. You remember, James is the actual biological brother of Jesus, right? So James has this very unique perspective. And he says, my dear, my dear, that word dear is, it's the Greek word agapetoi. It means beloved. Oh, my beloveds. Uh, he's, and, and also notice here, I like the way James is, like I said, he's been rattling it off for 18 verses, all these different truth bombs, rapid fire. He's been, you know, tweeting up to this point. And here he takes a pause. It's like James leans in and he says, take note of this. He's saying, okay, okay, lean in, slow down the scrolling that you've been doing, you know, all the little reels you've been watching. Slow down, stop here. Pay attention to what I'm about to tell you. The word he uses for take note of this, it's one word. It's the Greek word for see me. See me, my beloved, see me here. This is, the, this is what I say to my kids when I need them to put down the Xbox controller for a second and actually listen to what I'm saying. Like, I need you to stop scrolling for a second, put down the phone and look at me, right? I'm about to leave and I need you to turn the oven off in five minutes, right? You know, it's that kind of thing. I need you to really hear what I'm saying. You know, when you talk to your kids, you gotta do that sometimes. So he's given all this, and then he gives us this New Year's truth bomb. He says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Papa James, guys, guys, he's saying, guys, I know I just gave you a whole bunch in those first 18 verses. Listen, listen, listen. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. He tells us to do three things that are embedded in this little bitty sentence. And three things that are so brilliant and so foundational to, you know, all the things that you're thinking about, man, getting everything you want out of life and all the miracles you want to get from God and all the thing, all the spiritual and emotional growth that you want to have in this brand new year and all that kind of stuff. And here's what's so great is none of these three are about doing a single thing or working harder, or adding a single item to your to-do list. In fact, they're a lesson in how to have more peace in your head and more joy in your heart and, and richer relationships with people by stopping what you're doing and being more present in the moment, right? Being more in the today, showing up and being in the today. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. If you're keeping score, that's one quick and two slows, right? Quick, slow, slow. It almost sounds like a dance step, doesn't it, right? Quick, slow, slow. So fitting. Let's look at these. First, he says, quick to listen. Whew. He could have told us something easy to start the year with, but I got to admit, is there anything else that the Bible could tell us to do that sounds more impossible in this day and age? 
quick to listen. See, I don't know about you, but if Jesus had said, here's the thing, I need every single Christian to be a good Christian. First, you've got to cut off your pinky and, and take a vow of poverty. That might have been easier than telling me to be quick to listen, to make listening my number one default posture in a world, because we live in a world where, where success is, is increasingly measured by how much you know and how much you can own your opponent, right, and keep them from getting a word in edgewise. What James is primarily talking about here is, is how you relate to the people that you come across during the week, whether they're family or workmates or schoolmates or friends or neighbors, people you come across on social media, when people start talking, especially if it's something that we have an opinion about, and don't we have so many of those? When people start talking about something that you have an opinion about, the first thing our brains want to do is stop listening to what they're saying and start formulating a response. Yeah. They start talking, we're already going, mm, oh, 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 I, I know what I need to say. Oh, yes. No, no, we're not even listening to them. We're formulating our response. Like I said, this is something that doesn't come natural to me either. And I've had to be very intentional about this and, and to not fall into bad habits, which I often do. So I remember growing up, my mom would say to me all the time, did your mom and dad ever say this to you? Everything I'm saying to you just goes in one ear, ear and out the other. My mom said that to me. I can't remember what she was talking about because I wasn't listening. But I heard that a whole bunch of times. I can't tell you the number of times, though, whether it's, you know, I'm having a little disagreement with my beautiful, perfect wife or, you know, over something one of us did or said, or if I'm having like a disagreement with somebody who holds maybe a different opinion about something, a political opinion or a spiritual opinion about something. Those times, those times... When I have just set aside for a moment my, my, my crusty, opinionated exterior and just listened to the words of the other person, I gotta tell you, in almost 100% of the cases, I come away with a more generous, a better understanding, better understanding of where they're coming from and, and how I've seen the whole thing through perhaps a very narrow set of eyes, right? This is a life-altering truth. Being quick to listen. It also applies to, to us in times like this right here. Uh, when you're sitting in church, listening to a preacher, whether it's me or anybody else up here, um, there's a hard truth for us, and especially for those of us who are here. You know, a church like ours, a Generations Church, we're, we're, we're blessed, and we have a lot of longtime Christians in our church you know, uh, mature believers, we like to call ourselves, mature believers. And do you know what one of the hardest things is for mature believers to do? Do you know what the number one hardest thing is for a mature believer to do? Mature further. <laughs> to grow. It's one of the hardest things for a mature believer to do is grow, to adapt, to change, right? To change your mind, to be challenged by something that, that challenges what you were already certain about 15 minutes ago, right? 
It is, often it is so much, uh, it's very refreshing to, to talk to a new believer, someone, or maybe even somebody who doesn't really know Jesus yet, they're just really seeking. Or you talk to a new Christian, and oh, they are just so hungry, and they're so moldable, right? They're just like soft gold that you can mold into those beautiful, you know, uh, gold thing. <laughs> need more coffee this morning. <laughs> Jewelry, that's the word. Right? And sometimes with mature believers, boy, I know, I, I know, I know some, of, some of those people, I could talk to them for the next 20 years, they could come every Sunday for the next 20 years, and, and, and I'll, I won't change a thing in their life, right? Because they've got it all figured out. They know it all. They know it all already. And so that's one of the things. James says to receive God's Word with the right attitude, to reflect on God's Word by reading it and reviewing it, remembering it, turning it over inside and contemplating on it. Proverbs uh, 5, chapter 5, verse 1 says, My child, be attentive to my wisdom and incline your ear to my understanding. And I think sometimes God speaks over and over again to us. But we, uh, especially us mature people, we, we get calloused to that voice of God. We get to the point where we ignore what God might be speaking to us because we already know everything. And I want to encourage us this morning to just be, to make that one of, one of your goals in this year. You know what? I'm just going to approach every scripture. I'm going to approach every new thing like truly a child. And then that what Jesus told us to do? To be like children. I'm going to approach everything like a child and just be receptive. Lord, mold me, you know, uh, just sculpt me the way you want. I want to encourage this this morning. Don't allow your heart to get calloused to God's voice. Don't allow your heart to get calloused to what he's speaking fresh into your life this coming year. And so listening, when it says be quick to listen, it's not just about not being distracted. That's, that's part of it, you know. There's a lot of distractions. But it's also about having a posture of humility and teachability. And for some of us, that means doing whatever it takes to, you know, to, to come into church with open ears, open hearts. Another thing, just a practical matter that helps um, us to listen is to find a way to record what it is that we listen to, to, to hear, you know. In other words, taking notes is a great thing. Taking notes, writing down on your phone or on your paper, uh, something that the Holy Spirit might be stirring within you during a sermon. I, I read a survey, it was done by the United States Air Force. They did this study and they found that 90, we forget 95% of what we hear within, within 72 hours. 95% of what you're hearing this morning, according to the survey, if you're average, and I know everybody here is above average, but if we're our typical people, 95% of what we're here, we're going to forget in 72 hours. That statistic right there, I'm just going to tell you, makes pastors go insane, right? Because we spend all week and months and sculpting and perfect. Oh, I just want to make this word just right and all this kind of thing. We prepare the message to give on Sunday. It's going to be life-changing. But by Wednesday, most of us have forgotten 95% of it. Unless we wrote it down or unless we go to home life, right? And that's a great, uh, there's a little plug for home life there. Did you, you like that? Um, now, later on in James, James is also the one, he was famous for saying, don't be a hearer only, but also a doer. A doer. Look at all the mature Christians we have in here. Don't be a hearer, be also a doer. But notice you can't be a doer unless you heard it, unless you were listening to it. And one reason a lot of us aren't good doers is because we're not good hearers. So listening is listening to others. It's being willing to learn and understand folks who might have a different perspective, right? When you're out in the world and you're, you're encountering folks who have a different view of things, 
giving folks the benefit of the doubt, not demonizing them uh, for their opinion, but being willing to grow and stretch from a sermon maybe you heard. Absolutely essential. Step one on one to becoming the person God wants to grow you into in 2023. Number two, what does he say? Quick to listen and slow to speak. Being slow to speak is really just the flip side, right, of being quick to listen, isn't it? Quick to listen, slow to speak. It's about choosing one and putting off the second one until later. And we naturally usually want to reverse those actions. Because uh, in our world, and especially in our city, in our culture, we live in today, we are very good talkers. We, we are good at talking. We're good at sharing. Um, we want to jump in with what we have to say. And, you know, honestly, if I have to be honest, what, what my default goes to is, I'm thinking, if I can say just the right perfect thing, and what I'm hoping is that our, my argument will be so devastating, I won't have to listen to anything they say because they'll be stunned into silence, right? It'll be irrefutable. I just said the thing. There's nothing else for you to say. I don't need to listen to you anymore, right? I mean, that's, you'll be stunned by my galactic wisdom, my brilliance. Um, and by the way, this uh, is the root of 90% of our problems in our marriages, if you have problems communicating in your marriage, that's 90% of it right there. It's 100%, I believe, of the problems in our political culture today is these, these first two things. If we could learn to be quick to listen, slow to speak. Proverbs chapter 10, let's visit our, our poet friend in Proverbs. He says, sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. God gave us two ears and one mouth. You've probably heard that. He gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason, right? So perhaps we need to l double our listening capacity uh, versus our talking capacity. There was another poll I read, 85% of people who say they go to church, 85% uh, of the people who go to church say that they pray. Only 15% of the people who go to church actually read their Bible. So think about that. 85% of us are praying a whole, are saying, you know, talking to God, sharing Him all of our thoughts, like God needs that, right? But only 15% of it's are opening our Bibles and looking at His thoughts, right? I think we need to do some less talking and more listening to what God is saying to us. Number three, Papa James says, be slow to become angry. I think this is so brilliant of James to follow this command to listen more and speak less with this third instruction to be slow to become angry. Because you think about it, he could have said anything for the third one, quick to listen, slow to speak, and, and the third, you know, any of a hundred different things we could do is the third command. But it just is so, it's so brilliant because when we learn to become a better listener to people and not to be addicted to spouting off all of our opinions, being less angry is almost always going to be a natural result of that, isn't it? If you make your posture, your default, to be quick to listen, to make that the first thing you do, to slow the words that you're saying, you getting angry is actually going to improve. Anger, in any engagement or encounter you have or a relationship, it, very often it's a sure sign of two parties who have not fully appreciated the other's perspective. I can easily get angry with somebody if I have no idea where they're coming from and just assume that they don't either, right? <laughs> After I listen, though, 
it's a lot harder to get angry because I may not agree, but at least I can go, okay, I, well, I can see how they're, why they're saying that. And that's a, that, that is a place uh, that anger doesn't come from anymore, right? Anger isn't just a minor sort of, you know, negative byproduct to a relationship. It is a destroyer of relationships. Anger is a destroyer. James specifically mentions avoiding anger. And that means, this, the word that he uses here, it means an angry, bitter reaction to an offense done to you. Why? Well, what's the harm in just a little bit of anger? Well, he tells us in verse 20, he says, because anger is going to block the abundant righteous life that God desires for your life. It's going to block it in its footsteps, right? Jesus himself, he has some very strong warnings to us of the destruction that anger brings. If you remember back in Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Judgment. And anger here is this Greek word, uh, orgizomenos. Orgizomenos. I'm probably not saying that right. But it's defined as this hate-filled rage that's like in your gut. It comes from down, you know, in your guts. Orgizomenos. It's almost always spoken of as a sin when it has to do with people. When, when it, any record in the scriptures where human beings are showing this kind of anger, it's always spoken to as a sin. What's interesting is it's always spoken of as a righteous thing when it's speaking about God. Well, that doesn't seem fair. It's not. He's God. And we're not, right? God and God alone is qualified to sit in the seat of judgment. He's God. He's got the right. He can sit in the seat of judgment, but we're not. We're not supposed to sit in the seat of judgment, right? And so this really brings us to a, a great truth that James is trying to show us, is that you and I, are, are, we're just not qualified to sit in that seat of omniscience and, and judgment. So we have to learn to give up needing to be right. We have to give up needing to be heard, needing to be the winner. We have to give up needing to be the loudest, needing to be on the winning side, to be in control, to be better than others. In other words, we have to give up needing to be God because we can't be. It's, it's a losing proposition. When we arrive at that place, what the scriptures tell us is when we finally really clue into that and we arrive there, what we find is peace. Peace. It's why our Heavenly Father says this in Psalm 46. He says, be still and know that I am God. I, I love this. And I even I love how you could kind of flip it and it's still true. Know that I am God. And what is the result? Whew, stillness. Peace. When we know that he is God and we are not, there is a peace that that brings. That melts away anger. Because you can't be at peace while trying to out-argue somebody. There's just no peace in there, unless you're like a psychopath or something. I don't know. But Papa James here wants to, us to remember that we are not God. We're not perfect. And so it's almost always a guarantee that when we'll, we'll be more eager to listen to the other side than telling our side we'll discover in the process is peace for ourselves. We're also going to discover something about that person that we probably didn't realize before or about that situation. It might be a person you normally get along with. It might be like your spouse, but you're going to discover something about that situation you didn't realize before. You're going to discover probably something about yourself that you didn't really want to admit. 
but that's good. This year, I want all of you to achieve all of your goals. I want all of you to achieve all of your resolutions, right? And you probably won't get at all of them, so don't even worry about that. Don't sweat it. I want you to make a couple of those resolutions happen, whatever they are. I believe in you. I believe you can do it. But you know what? More important than getting thinner and losing weight or making more money at your job, getting a bigger paycheck, more important than that is becoming a healthier, more Christ-like child of God. Amen? We each have a role to play in God's kingdom. And we each have a role to play in, in God's plan for the kingdom and what he wants to use you for and our church collectively for. The, the real motivating factor for us to do what God's telling us to do here through the words of James, the motivating factor is because we're made in his image. God is love. He is God. We are not. But we're made in his image, and we are image bearers in the world, and we are to love other people the way he loves other people. In the book, in, in the Gospel of John 13, this is such a great motivational passage for us. I love this scripture. Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another as I've loved you. So you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So, the, so we're supposed to do this to, to obey God, to, to be obedient to Jesus so the world will know that we're disciples and they'll know what God is really like. But I'm telling you what, a bonus benefit, if you just want to get kind of selfish for a second, the bonus benefit to you is that if you'll commit yourself to this three-part dance, this quick, slow, slow, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, the benefit to you is that you're going to experience a peace inside yourself that you never thought possible before. And you're going to experience a love for other people that's never been possible. You're going to experience an open-minded understanding of lots of different perspectives, and you'll be able to see the different perspectives, even though, you know, you, you, can, you can be assured of what is truth, but you can know what, the, what everybody is coming from and the possibilities, more possibilities and perspectives than you ever thought possible. And, and you know what? You'll probably become a thousand percent cooler person that people want to hang out with. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me as I lead us in prayer? Hallelujah. Father God, I thank you, Lord, that you have brought us through another year. You're so faithful, Lord. You brought us through 2022 with all of its ups and downs. You've been faithful to us, Lord. You've been faithful to us personally. You've been faithful to this community, Lord. I ask you to guide us, Father. May your favor be upon us. Heavenly Father, we long to live out your truth. God, give us the courage this year to not dwell in the past, but to learn from it and then leave it there and move on. Give us the courage, Lord, to listen, to truly listen to those we love as well as people who would set themselves against us. May we reflect your love and your kindness and reveal who you truly are. May we, Lord, seek not to understand or to be understand, understood, so much as to understand others, Lord God. May we seek not so much to be heard as to hear. And so now, Lord, we trust. We trust in you. And we're confident, Lord, that you will lead us as you have led us this past year. And we're truly excited to see what comes next and how you want to use this church, Lord, to be an impact on this community and on the world. And in the name of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen.
Would you stand to your feet with me today? Our prayer partners are coming forward. If there's anything that you need prayer about, these guys would love to pray with you. They will pray with you in faith. Uh, if you have a need, you need a miracle from the Lord. You haven't, maybe it's for you. Maybe it's for somebody that you know. Maybe a neighbor or a family member or somebody. Come forward and let them pray with you about that. If you are here today and you want to start this year in a whole new way and you want to say yes to Jesus, this is a great time to do it. January 1st, 2023. Come forward and let these guys lead you in that next step. They'll pray with you. They would love to do that. Amen. So friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may you follow the lead of your dance partner, the Holy Spirit this week, as he whispers in your ear, quick, slow, slow. Amen. Let's go be kingdom people this week. Grace and peace be with you. Bye-bye.